it's time to get reconnected. Tune in every week to Enneagram Restored Podcast for Reconnected, a relationship series on how the Enneagram can be a bridge between your relationship goals and the current reality of your relationships. Welcome back to another episode of Enneagram Restart Podcast. I'm your host, Braylon Williams, and thank you for listening to today's episode. And if you're new to the podcast, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, It's a treat. So today we're continuing our Reconnected Relationship series with talking about how type fours can find reconnection with themselves and others. I want to talk about how they love, how fours love. Um, what, what are the most to least apparent of the five love languages in fours uh, and the, the fours compatibility with the uh, other non-types with each non-types and how they connect, reconnect with themselves and others as always alright so with no further ado let's just jump right into it All right, just like every other episode in this Reconnected series, I want to start by talking about how a four loves. What What is their motivation behind their expression of love? And so a four's expression of love is motivated by their envy, it's motivated by the shame, and it's motivated by their desire to avoid the ordinary. All right, let's start first about envy. Now, I've talked more in depth about envy as it relates to fours more in episode 10 of season one. But simply put, envy in a four isn't related to the typical thinking of envy. Fours aren't envious of the tangible things like cars, TVs, laptops, electronics, houses. But what they are envious of are the intangible things such as happiness, peace, love and this a force envy is built on the idea that um, others have qualities of life that they themselves cannot attain and to help explain excuse me i'm jumping ahead myself all right so now let's jump to shame and to help explain how a forest love is motivated by, by motivated by shame i want to read an excerpt from Suzanne Stabile's book, The Path Between Us. All right, so here's the expert excerpt. Average fours often use their energy to maintain a self-image based on feelings and daydreams and stories from the past. 
In doing so, they may miss more authentic feelings as they arise because they have a habit of creating and then sustaining moods that suit them at the time. Immature fours may choose the role of victim in order to feel some sense of value when someone goes to the trouble of attending to their distress. All this behavior is an effort to escape the shame that comes from believing that they do not measure up in some fundamental way. It often works, but only momentarily. Fours are in the heart triad with twos and threes. All three numbers need to learn that who they really are has nothing to do with what people think of you and nothing to do with your past. When these three numbers encounter difficulties in relationships, they all initially believe that the problem lies with them, that whatever went wrong must be their fault and that they are inadequate in some way. They are convinced that if they could do more, be more, achieve more, be different, be someone else, or just be exceptional, then they would be lovable and therefore loved. If you are if you are in relationship with a two, three, or four, the big question is, who are you in a relationship with? Sometimes it's the person they really are, but sometimes it's the person they're pretending to be. Even though the required shape-shifting and adapting is so much harder for fours than for twos and threes, there is great sadness when fours try to be whoever you might love and want. Keep in mind that the numbers in the heart triad substitute all kinds of reactions for the power of real feelings. Twos are careful to pay close attention to the feelings of others while ignoring their own. Threes find feelings to be burdensome and unpredictable, so even though they initially recognize them both in themselves and others, they quickly set them aside as unimportant and unnecessary. Fours want the same satisfaction twos and threes seem to get in their way, get from their way of managing things. However, if there is a breaching and valued relationship, ordinary feelings and ordinary results, results will not suffice. Fours exacerbate their feelings to accommodate their sense of loss. For example, someone like Daphne might respond to Jane's letter by going home, listening to sad music, watching sad movies, and looking at old pictures that recap the friendship. In doing so, she could fall deeper and deeper into a very gratifying sadness. For fours, an extraordinary friendship or relationship should never be remembered in an ordinary way. Fours also hate being ordinary. And now they would do anything to, which means they would do anything to protect their authenticity authenticness uh, yeah their authenticness <laughs> and this is why we call for the individualists their desire their need to be authentic and different is why we label them it's why we call them individualists because they want to be they want to stand apart from the crowd um Fours really are the embodiment of, um, gosh, what's the scripture verse? Um, I got to look it up now. I think it's Romans 3, 12. Could I be wrong? Let me see real quick. Let me pull up the Bible app real quick. 
I can't find Rhombus. Is it bad that I'm a Bible major in college? I can't find Romans? Maybe. Maybe. I just don't know how to read read words. Here we are. I think it's 312. No. Uh, da -da -da. Uh, it is, it is, it is, it's somewhere in Romans, I know for sure. Um, but the verse that talks about um, being different from the world, um, yeah, I, I don't, I can't remember the exact um, reference, but yes, uh, fours are the embodiment of where in. In Romans, if I'm thinking correct, talks about being different from the world and not conforming to the world, but being set apart and living like Christ instead of the world, um, to be living holy and righteous as Christ was. They really are that embodiment where, all right, not conform to the world, I'm going to be different than everybody else. So, and, and to, now I, I know I just read an excerpt from Suzanne Stabile's book, The Path Between Us. But um, if you know me and if you are, if you have, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you know that Suzanne Stabile is one of my favorite people in the Enneagram world. And is also her books and teachings are also one of my main resources for understanding the Enneagram more. So with that being said, I again want to read another excerpt from our book, The Path Between Us, to help you understand this need for a four, this need that a four has to avoid the ordinary. So here's the excerpt. Excerpt. The truth is that fours are very special people, but they don't always notice, so they try too hard to create specialness. And the cost can be high. The irony is that there is no need to avoid being ordinary because fours seldom are. But if they expend some of their energy to embrace the ordinary task of life and the predictable, average, everyday ways of being in the world, it can enhance their relationships. Fours just don't like being ordinary. But if they learn how to be ordinary, it not, it's not that they need to learn how to be ordinary, but if they embrace being ordinary in some aspects of life, it, it can lead to an enhancement of the relationships. And that's no doubt. Um, right there, it truly will help. So before, and I, I want to start the transition and talking about the love languages in four, but before I go on to talk about love languages in, in some love languages in fours, um, I want to briefly touch on a four's limitation of love. And it's quite simple, actually. The thing that stops fours from receiving the amount of love that they desire from others is that fours have so much depth and personality to them, personality to them that it makes it difficult for others to truly understand them. And so that that's that's kind of like that hurdle that's 
in between a floor's desire for so much love and the reality of how much love love they're getting that's that's the wall in between that that goal is their depth which is not a bad thing but it's just so much it's hard for other people to who aren't fours to understand fours because they just have so much depth to them so much emotions so much thoughts to themselves because they're so unique and so it's just just a little bit of a disconnect there and understanding them so that's what makes it hard for a four to fully receive the love that they desire because and it's really not their fault it's and i'm not saying it's anybody's fault but if it if we had to lay blame on somebody it's actually other people who is who are not fours it's their fault the reason why this is limitation of love for four because they're just not trying hard enough honestly um but at the same time people only have so much energy energy to expend don't understanding people and if you have somebody who's four who has so many layers to them it, it can be conflicting to do um in time energy and heart desires so i am so grateful for everyone's support without you guys this podcast would not be possible but if you're not already subscribed to enneagram restored podcast don't forget to follow and subscribe enneagram restored podcast to be notified of each new episode that is released all right so now i want to talk about talk that gosh i just went off the rails here it's not like a roller coaster that took off way too fast. Now I want to talk about the most to the least apparent um, five love languages in a type four. And before I do that, I want to remind everyone that this ranking is solely opinion um, and is my opinion, but this is opinion that I have based off of research and my general understanding, my general knowledge of the four populations. So Here's the ranking. First is words affirmation. Second, quality time. Third, physical touch. Fourth, acts acts of service. And fifth, gifts. Now, in all honesty, though, I honestly think the ranking that I put, there should be three love languages in the number one spot. And those three should be words of affirmation, quality time, and physical touch. And then we have acts of service and gifts. And, and it just, it's hard for me to believe that there is a solid ranking for the most to least apparent love languages in a four. And why is that? It's because fours are so emotional and intimate people. In fact, they're also not, not not only are they known as the individualist and i refer to them all the time as the individual individualist but force can also be known as the romantic um, and, and so being known as the romantic and having deep emotions and being intimate people um, and having a desire to thrive in deep intimate relationships it makes all the more sense of why words of affirmation, physical touch, and quality time would be so equal in a 
in, in like the view of most apparent love languages in a four because those are all the best top three best ways of the five love five love languages to um, develop a deep intimate relationship is through quality time to develop a good deep intimate relationship is through physical touch and worth affirmation those are just the top three ways of the five to make that possible and so if you have a four who desires deep intimacy um, and are emotional people and give them the top three ways and so that that's kind of why i don't really see that there is really can be a solid one two three four five ranking for the five love languages in type fours but rather there is a three-way tie for number one and that three-way tie is words of affirmation quality time and physical touch and then we have acts of service and gifts coming in there so yeah that's that's that for the love languages i mean it's pretty simple this week for that um like i said and the reason why is because there's just so much equality in between those three um words of affirmation quality time physical touch that it's kind of hard to really say all right here's the most second most third most fourth most and the least apparent um so but i did give them that ranking i did say words of affirmation quality time physical touch acts of service and gifts but truly i believe that there should be a three-way tie in between words of affirmation quality time and physical touch um and then acts of service and gifts should come in there so um, let, let's move, move the train along the tracks now shall we shall we I'm so glad that you have chosen to come along with me in another season of restoration. Season one was so great. And I think that in the second season, uh, it's important to focus on relationships. And so I also want to challenge you in the second season that you'll be intentional about showing love to your significant other, family and friends. So let's talk about the four is compatibility with each of the nine types. Um, and, but before I do, I want to remind everyone that when it comes to understanding one a, a type's compatibility with another type, it's not about which types can or cannot coexist together. However, it, it's about what aspects of the relationship between these two types are innately good and what aspects of the relationship will need work. Um, and just keep this in mind. The thing that makes two people, and I say this every episode, the thing that makes two people really compatible is their shared devotion to deeply caring for the relationship. That's what makes two people really compatible. What I'm saying here is only like a guideline to know, all right, here, here's some things we can expect to be good in our relationship just based off of who we are as people. And here's some things we can, we, we see as, Oh, that's going to take some work. All right. So without further ado, let, let's get, let's jump to the compatibility starting out with fours and ones. But before I do that, I, I want to say, I forgive me if I sound robotic. Um, I am going to try to read directly from my notes to avoid any further ad-libbing like I always do. And like I'm doing right now to just, so to keep this segment as short as possible, because this is this 
this compatibility segment always tends to be the longest segment of the episode. And so to kind of keep this short as possible, I, I might begin to sound a little bit robotic because I will be reading directly from my notes. So forgive me. I, I hate doing that, but I think it's just necessary for time's sake of this episode. All right. So let's begin with four and one. In the four and one relationship, ones bring a desire for objectivity, truth, value, and reason. Fours bring creativity, intense feelings, sensuality, spontaneity, inspiration, and the ability to tap into dreams. While they both bring unique qualities to a relationship, they also teach each other things. Ones teach fours to actualize their dreams by supporting their creativity with healthy self-discipline and appropriate structure. Fours teach and give ones permission to explore and express the full range of their feelings and passions. When this relationship becomes a problem, it's because of their points of view. Ones are objective, objective thinkers, whereas fours are subjective thinkers. Conflict in this relationship is also the effect of the idea of self-discipline versus self-indulgence. Ones suppress their personal and emotional impulses whereas fours act out their personal and emotional impulses. The four and two couple can be a very warm and passionate couple who, when they both openly share their feelings regularly together. Both types are seeking warmth and connection, and they both are willing to provide it when they are healthy. To go a little bit deeper, once they have gotten out of the initial hurdles of intimacy, Twos and fours can be a safe place for each to share their hopes, fears, and insecurities. Fours are given the confidence to interact more easily with others by the twos' sociability and energy. On the other hand, fours invite twos to take a closer look at their deeper needs, the truth of who they are, and what they actually feel. This is a couple who invites each other to mature emotionally which usually is an unspoken invitation and they both help each they both help each to become more interdirected however this is usually a pairing that is better being friends than they are at being romantic partners intimate relationship between twos and fours are rare the problem for this relationship lies within the possibility of too much emotionality and too many unspoken demands Twos tend to see fours as too moody and too temperamental, let too much by their feelings and unconscious impulses. Whereas fours tend to see twos as too saccharine and artificially upbeat, flattering and insincere to get close to people and to feel needed. Fours can begin to feel socially inept and overshadowed by the charm and popularity of twos, secret shame and the feeling of worthlessness on the part of both can begin to undermine the relationship. It can founder on the forced feelings of, of abandonment that the two becomes involved with others, and it can also founder on the two's increasingly feeling of unappreciated by the four. Both begin to see the other as too emotionally needy and ultimately as more demanding than each wishes to put effort into. Since both the four and three are driven by feelings, often unconscious though, and reactions, this pairing can be an intense and passionate pairing. Both types bring qualities that they teach each other. 
Fours teach threes how to talk about themselves on a deeper level. They help threes acknowledge and process their feelings. Threes bring a, a good deal of tact and diplomacy to handling the fours' emotional reactions and their sometimes too sensitive feelings and self-doubts. Threes bring hope, ambition, practical goal-setting, coaching, and behavior management techniques to help pull fours out of, out of a slump or period of low energy. Threes can coach fours on how to get home with practical matters and to act professionally despite the shifts in their feelings and self-doubts. While this is a couple who really help, who really helps each other, both types have issues with self-esteem and with the need of validation from others. They both suffer from questions about their own identity and both have hidden feelings of shame and worthlessness. Their need for validation from others and the hidden shame is a cause of most of their relationship conflicts. In fact, much of their relationship conflicts will depend on how narcissistically wounded each type is, how much they'll be competing for approval, attention, and recognition, which threes are more open about seeking validation from others, but this will cause fours to feel overshadowed or even shut out of the limelight by the three. Another major problem for this couple is that neither type sees the other as they are. Both see the other through projections of what they need and expect the other to be. So once the respect and admiration for each other ends, dismissiveness, contempt, and undermining begins, and the relationship will surely come to an end soon. As a couple, the double four pairing is highly romantic and idealistic. They have the ability to laugh at themselves and to find amusement with each other in the dark loneliness of the childhood and adolescence. They are both openly emotional and sensitive to the needs of the other. And because as individuals, they are so attuned to, the, their, to their own emotions, there is a great deal of sensitivity and respect for individuality and each other's emotional needs. Conflict for this pairing is often due to the emotional instability of the relationship itself. Each of them can be self-absorbed and abnormally aware of he or she is getting of what he or she is getting or not getting in the relationship. In this relationship, both want special handling and insist on having special needs, and they can resent the other for demanding the same for themselves. Both long for an ideal mate, and the feeling that one has found it can alternate with depression and other reactions when expectations are disappointed. And an unhealthy aspect of this relationship is that they can get into contests of who is more damaged. Double fours can become moody and incommunicative, passive-aggressive, and disdainful. Actually, hating the very person they may have been so passionately in love with. Rejecting the other and feeling rejected can alternate from both parties. Arguments can spiral out of control and hurtful things gets said until reconciliation becomes difficult, if not impossible. Once certain things are said in the heat of the moment, they can never be taken back. Permanent damage is done to feelings of trust and safety and to the future of the relationship. Once hope for the relationship dies, it is difficult to resuscitate.
Both the four and the five brings a certain richness and special qualities of aspects of human development to their relationship. Fours bring an artistic and emotional temperament, the habit of introspection and sensitivity to feelings in themselves and others. Fives bring an inquiring intellectual temperament, the habit of asking questions and of being interested in a wide variety of things and of being willing to break with old conventions. Both are private people and like depth, and they don't mind taking time to explore things, they explore things deeply and to savor the richness of their own experience. They each, they each appreciate the other's different perspectives and they respect the other's intensity and commitment to following their own feelings and interests. Another great thing about this relationship is that fives draw, draw fours out, out by showing them other worlds and other perspectives with the depth that fours like. And fours help fives stay in contact with their personal self and feelings. Discord in this relationship hinges on the idea of intimacy versus detachment. Fours are emotional types who tend to push for more contact and intimacy, sometimes becoming overly demanding, whereas fives are thinking types and tend to push for more detachment and space in a relationship, becoming more reclusive and private. Fours can experience fives as being too intellectual and feeling that fives are analyzing them rather than sympathizing with their emotional needs and states. They tend to be easily frustrated with the quality of attention they get from fives. Thus, they tend to provoke the five until they get a response. On the other hand, five C4s as bottomless pits of emotional needs who drain their time and energy. If the fours learn to appreciate the five's minimalist emotional style, and fives learn to appreciate the force, depth of feeling. It will help the relationship to become a thriving relationship. Both fours and sixes are highly emotional people and both often feel insecure around people. In this relationship, they each bring to each other the feeling that they are kindred souls connected by their feelings of abandonment and a certain distrust of others. Forests bring sensitivity, sensuality, and the ability to express emotions openly, including the feelings that sixes often need to learn. Forests give sixes the sense that they are needed, helping to give sixes more confidence and the ability to cope with things. Sixes bring hard work, perseverance, practicality, loyalty, and concern with security to the relationship. Sixes like being practical and they often provide fours with a platform of some kind to develop the creativity as well as the time and support they may need to work through their emotional issues. This pairing creates steadiness and daring, the balance and the ability to fill in the gaps for each other both in their own development and in practical affairs. However, both types when they are in lower levels tend to be emotionally reactive, critical of others, pessimistic, and can feel overwhelmed. While they may not often talk about it, they may test each other in various ways in, in an attempt to discover how loyal the other will be to them. Both may begin to subtly Withdraw, withdraw attention and affection from the other as a way of defending against the hurt of potential abandonment should it occur. Another potential trouble spot for the four and six relationship is 
each of their tolerance for change. Fours are more interested in change, but sixes tend to be more conservative, conservative and resistant to change. Fours complain that sixes aren't free-spirited and romantic enough, whereas sixes complain that fours are too undependable and act too much on whims or aren't emotionally stable enough. Both are reactive and conflicts can escalate quickly. Misunderstandings can lead to projections and massive overreactions. Fours and sevens are complete opposites, which actually makes them intrigued by each other and draws them together. Fours tend to be quiet, introverted, self-doubting, emotional, and pessimistic. On the other hand, sevens tend to be outgoing, extroverted, self-confident, mental, and optimistic. Although they are complete opposites, fours and sevens share qualities and they help each other attain aspects outside of their outside of the normalcy of their type. Both types love lively conversations and they can pass hours sharing with each other detailed accounts of events of the day as well as their thoughts and reactions. Both have a love of the new and a sense of adventure and romance that can keep their relationship fresh and lively for themselves and be a source of joy and inspiration for others. Fours help sevens stay focused on what they really want and to respect and allow their feelings. Sevens help fours overcome possible reluctance to try new experiences because they are so different in many ways fours and sevens must have several strong points of attraction or else they will likely misconnecting with each other unless some strong passions such as romantic mental or spiritual passions keeps them together they are likely to fly apart if there are deep disagreements or conflicts early in the relationship as the relationship becomes worse, fours usually become more withholding and hostile, and sevens become more impatient, abrasive, and can be verbally abusive. However, each type has a different way of tending to the relationship. Fours want to talk about everything that has gone wrong. On the other hand, sevens want to move on to something more promising and upbeat. So once the relationship goes sour, virtually everything each type admired and was attracted to in the other becomes irritating and insufferable. Having honesty at no matter the cost is a desire for both fours and eights. Fours depend on the eights practicality, protection, and provision, whereas eights depend on the fours sensitivity and mysterious sense of challenge. Both are attracted to each other's vulnerability and hidden qualities. Because both eights and fours are the most intense and passionate numbers who have intense and strong emotional response, some toxic habits can develop within the relationship. Because of the emotional excitement they both get from fighting, it can become a habit for them to fight and make up. It is very important for these two to find love and support in each other. Not only is it important, but it's necessary. This coupling also needs to help needs help learning healthy communication skills. And finally, the last combination, fours and nines. Being tenderhearted and highly sympathetic to suffering they find in their partner describes the relationship of a four and nine couple. Both, both the nine and four want to find deep connection in each other, but they still desire autonomy and privacy. Both are highly creative and idealistic people. 
Since fours are good at naming feelings and pinpoint emotional states, they allow nines to be more intense and expressive about their feelings. Since nines are good at creating a non-judgmental environment, they allow fours to feel understood and accepted for who they are. But there's always good to the bad. And the bad to the good for this relationship, the biggest problem area for this relationship is how each type reacts to the increasing stress. Nines become more disengaged, whereas fours become more emotionally volatile and demanding. Learning effective communication skills will help strengthen this relationship. I just want to pause where we are. We've covered a lot. Let's just take a moment to breathe. Let's close our eyes and just breathe in deep and sense where we are. Feel the Feel the breath as you inhale deeply and feel your feet against the floor and just feel your environment around you. So great. Oftentimes we rush through life and we soak in all this information. And so I just really wanted to make it a point throughout this series and even at next season uh, of life. And even as this podcast continues, I just want to make it a point for not only me, but for also those around me to just take a moment throughout your day and just breathe. Allow yourself to be grounded through just feeling the environment. Now, I know we only taking a short time of breathing here, but I encourage you to take even longer. Take five minutes, 10 minutes, as long as you like to just make it a part of your daily schedule to just take a moment in the quietness and breathe deeply. Allow yourself to be grounded in, in life. Allow allow yourself to feel your feet touching the ground, your breath entering in and out of your lungs. Just a moment to be grounded in the business of life. All right, now it's time to find out how fours can reconnect with themselves and with others and how others can reconnect with fours. as always, I want to remind you that when I say the word reconnection, you probably think, oh, I haven't talked to somebody in like 10 years. Let me reconnect with them. That's true. That's what we called any strange relationship. But when I refer to reconnection, um, it's, it's not that simple. For me, what reconnection is, it is for even relationships where you have daily contact with somebody but you feel like that there is an aspect of your relationship with that person that's missing. That's where reconnection comes in. But still yet, even in the estranged relationships, reconnection also helps there too. So I don't talk about reconnection in the atypical way of thinking of it. Um, so just keep that in mind. 
you listen to the series, as you listen to these reconnection moments for each of the types. And also keep this in mind. Reconnection starts with a ideological understanding. Basically, how do I need to mentally understand this? And then that ideological understanding turns into the, a practical understanding, which is basically how can I put this into practice? What does this look like physically? What's the practical means of this? All right. And so let's take a look at that as it re relates to type fours. So let me start off by talking to just the fours out there. So if you're four, listen very closely to me right now. As a four, you are a unique emotional being who has everyone and everything that you need. That's the ideological understanding that you need to know today, that you have everything and everyone that you need. And I really want you to press into understanding that mentally, press into knowing that you are complete as you are. You are made holy in the image of God. And yes, I know it may seem like everyone else has more happiness, or they have more love, or they have more joy, or they have more, they have more anger, or they have more, they have more distress. It may seem that way. But the truth is, they don't. We all have the equal amounts of everything. It's just that we all have different amounts of that experience at different times of life. So my my happiness right now is not going to be the same experience as one of my friends' happiness right now. Even though we all started out as human beings from birth with the same amount of happiness, things in life happen. So things contribute so it can increase our things, subtract from our happiness. We all started out with the same. It's just at different points in life, we're going to experience different levels of the happiness. All right. Um, so the practical understanding that I want you as a four to begin practicing is this. If you feel like everyone else has more of something that you don't have, press into the little of what you do have and find ways to multiply the little. It, I think back to when I think of this, I think back to um, the Bible story of the five loaves and breads and two fishes, you know, feeding 500 people. And this wasn't the one only time Jesus fed a lot of people. This is the only one we think about for the most, but there's, uh, I think, at least one other time in the Bible where Jesus multiplied the food to feed the multitudes. But um, think of it that matter. You know, it, it seems like you only have five loaves of happiness. You only have two fishes of energy, and everybody else seems to have a lifetime supply worth of happiness and energy. Tap into the littleness that you have. Tap tap into that little happiness that you have and find a way to expand it, to make it, you know, really burst out like a like a balloon that is too filled with air. So it just burst out and all the happiness inside that balloon comes out and just fills the atmosphere. Find a way to tap into the little that you have to make it more. Because I promise you, you have just the right amount of happiness. You have just the right amount of energy, the right amount of joy, the right amount of anger, the right amount of stress that you need. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not advocating for always tapping into the little amounts of anger and stress um, because that's, the bad feelings are unhealthy feelings for us 
but it does do us some good to tap into our unhealthy feelings sometimes just to allow ourselves to feel anger to allow ourselves to feel stress it does good to just in advance allow those feelings to rise up and to experience them in the fullness so that way when life is really tough they won't be a problem for us and they won't get in the way of us continuing life if we allow ourselves to feel the unhealthy behaviors during the down times of life so sometimes tap into those unhealthy unhealthy emotions too and expand those to help you in the future out there too all right and now doing this could mean changing the way you talk to and about yourself and or it can mean changing how you present yourself to others all right so it seems tough but i promise you it is not as tough as it seems all right so just think about it meditate on it think what that means for you as a four see how you can do that think ways to do that to tap into the little expand it but now i want to talk to everyone who is not a four okay so if you're one two three five six seven eight or nine I want you to listen very closely right now. Reconnecting with a four for you starts with the ideological understanding that fours are very emotional people. And they are people who are often more emotional than the average person can handle. Uh, Again, this goes back to the limitation of the love. They have so much depth to them. They have so much emotion to them. So practical understanding for you looks like offering the four a safe safe space to express all the ranges of their emotions. Now, this is a space that should not leave the four in question of whether or not you resent them for expressing this. But they should know, oh, this person create this safe space for me to fully experience these range of emotions. And they don't hate me for expressing my emotions. They don't resent me for any of my emotions. So make that clear that you are allowing this safe space for the four, but you're never going to resent them for it. All right. But the safe space it's not only for the four, but it is also for you too. So if you're offering this space for a four to express their emotions, but it begins to get too much for you to handle, verbally express something to the four like this. And you can use this word by word, or you can mix it up and use it different for yourself. Express something that says this, I love and appreciate you. And I want to continue to be a safe space for you to express your emotions. But right now, I'm not capable of being a safe space for you. So please allow me some time to take care of just myself so I can wholeheartedly be available to you. If you clearly communicate that you want to be a safe space, but you are unable to be that safe space for them in this moment of life right now, I promise you, the intimacy, the depth of your relationship, how deep and how close the strength of your relationship is going to be. Boom! It's going to be so... I I can't explain it. It's going to be so much strength in your relationship if you just verbally communicate that 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. It's going to be great. That's all I can say. All right, it's going to be great. And it might surprise you. Uh, so I was I was going to make a joke about the uh, previous incident at the Oscars, but I decided that that might have been too distasteful. Uh, so I, I I I won't make that joke. Okay, but just know I was going to make it. I was going to make it, <laughs> but I won't. All right. Uh, so. Yeah. Oh, the Oscars. I, let, I, I'll talk about it in a minute. Hold on. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Any Grammar Store Podcast. But before we go... I do want to just, I, I, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about what happened Sunday night at the Oscars. Okay, like, I did not watch the Oscars. And I honestly, I was, I was, I don't, I don't even know how to, how to explain what I felt. Okay, so let me let me kind of explain how I found out all right, about this. So it was Sunday. And for me, usually a Sunday means waking up early in the morning, being at church by 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and typically doing three services of worship. Uh, so I'm usually at church from seven to like two o'clock in the afternoon. And like did that. And then I, I usually after church, I get lunch. I go to Zaxby's because dining hall on campus is closed by the time I get out of church. So I usually get, I usually get Zaxby's on a Sunday. So I ate my Zaxby's and then I had to go to work and my work, what I do for work is I clean the dining hall on campus. So I do that before dinner and I do it again after dinner. So I've done it before dinner and then dinner happens and I go back after dinner. Um, and after I run a hall council meeting for my dorm and, and, and I, my day is finally over at like midnight and I'm finally able to just relax and to scroll through social media. And so I get on Instagram and the first thing I see not knowing this happened yet at midnight Monday morning. So that midnight Sunday night, and I'm like, I'm on Instagram. First thing I see, Will Smith punches or smacks Chris Rock at the Oscars. I'm like, Lord Jesus, what did I miss? It's like, wow. I think I was more blown away because I, I typically try to watch the Oscars, the Grammys, and the Tonys. I typically try to watch those um, live. But there are some some years I just can't because of my schedule, and this was one of the times where I had a busy schedule the night of the Oscars. It's like, all right, I won't worry about it. Um, I really wasn't so in tune with the like entertainment, the movie and TV stuff this year, so I was like, eh, I'm not too worried about it. So, but like now I seen, I was like, "Wow, I should have watched the Oscars tonight." I was just so blown away. That's all I can say. <laughs> now, do, do I think? What 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 do I think about it? Um, honestly, oh, it's just so hard to formulate. Um, All right, let me just. You might disagree with me, and you might not. But here's here's what I think. Now, let me just say outright from the beginning: I do not condone violence at all. Um, violence is something that should never happen. 
but do I think that Will Smith had the right in the moment to do an action such as that? Yes. Do I think that was the wrong decision for Will Smith to do at the moment? Yes. So, was his anger warranted? Yes. Um, because there's a long history of, you know, with the entanglement stuff and that joke and just their marriage, the recent years and everything. There's been a lot to their relationship and publicly so I do think Will Smith was rightly able to be angered um, by this joke and to want to take action about it do I think he made the wrong choice yes so that's, that's kind of what I think about it alright so but anyway, like I said, that is it for this episode of Any Grammar Start Podcast. Again, as always, thank you for listening. Don't miss next week's show. It's going to be a short episode. Uh, I will give you props to reflect on to better help you find um, reconnection and to help develop a reconnection plan um, with each of the types within the heart triad. So we'll kind of like, kind of like give you some things to really think about when when we think about reflect on when we're thinking about connecting with twos threes and fours all right so next week is going to be a very short episode it's going to be probably an episode you can listen to on your drive to work um and get done before you get to work so or even on your way to walk to class it's that sort of episode all right so also remember to follow and subscribe to any grammar store podcast on apple podcast spotify and instagram and remember as always the Enneagram doesn't define you, but it does bring restoration, helps reshape your thinking and habits.